0: Hi, it's Kate Brownfield from ADHDkidscanthrive.com. I'm very happy and grateful to be back with the next season of episodes, connecting you to parents, advocates, and experts who will willingly share all their insight and wisdom to support parents, educators, therapists, anyone who is trying to support an ADHD child as they get through school and transition into adulthood with a good sense of themselves intact. It is not easy, but it is doable. Another thing I'm gonna be doing um, to help parents who are raising ADHD kiddos is I'm going to be offering a weekly support group for parents that will center around the topic that airs earlier in the week on the ADHD Kids Can Thrive podcast. The link and details are going to be in the description box of this episode. So go there if you're interested in learning more and uh, getting some parent support. Okay, my guest today is Helen. She's a parent of an ADHD child who has grown up and he's now in his mid-20s. I asked her to join me on the podcast to share her top 10 pieces of wisdom that she has gained through her own parenting journey to help with other parents who may be on a similar journey. She happily accepted and she shares openly. Please enjoy our conversation and thank you for listening. All right, Helen, thank you for being here. I'm looking forward to talking to you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Okay, so Helen is going to give us her top 10 words of wisdom on raising a child with ADHD, who is now in his mid-20s. Okay, so let's do the countdown from 10 to 1, and we'll start with number 10.
1: All right, so my number 10, hello, everybody, by the oh, way, okay. uh, my number 10 is to not stop learning about all the new research and information that's coming out. Um, there is just huge leaps and bounds of information from websites and YouTubers and books and podcasts, um, and so I I highly recommend that you find something for yourself as a parent and something even age appropriate for your child. Um, I know that uh, my kid definitely had found something on YouTube that he really enjoyed the. YouTube posts and the community that was created, and even have like a Discord channel and stuff like that. So once they kind of get to the point where they're understanding what it is they have or need, or in in the path on the way there, maybe not necessarily 100. um, It's very it's very good to have that.
0: Yeah, good advice. Okay, what's number nine?
1: So number nine is. Um, The homework battle is very real. (laughs) Uh, And so how we got through it was trial and error on methods. So unfortunately, at the time, we did not have a diagnosis till um, my child was 21. So we didn't really realize what was going on and so I just went through this whole process of like oh this is what works for kids this is what works for kids and so um, you know we we went all the way from a complete refusal to do homework um, even in in second grade sometimes Um, things that were really hard were you know pick your favorite color what's your favorite movie and as like we would have debates over well I can't f- pick the best you know like how do I know so just went totally philosophical and at the time it it, w- it wasn't clear that that was kind of a a reaction to I really don't want to be doing this or I don't know how to do this so um okay
0: Helen we- how did you help him get the homework done to get through high school
1: um So I had friends come over and they did them together and I put them in like the kitchen at the dining room, cleared off the table. Um, I had him write extra thoughts on as he was doing it on his own. You know, if he had a thought, had stickies next to him, write the thought down just to get it out of the brain. Um, I tried the 15 minute timer where every 15 minutes he would stop and walk around. Um, I would even be... In the kitchen and if um there were math problems being done then you know yell out when you finish one and so that I could see that if there was a long pause (laughs) that maybe there was something (laughs) not happening around here uh and then when it got to high school towards the end like the the freshman sophomore year weren't so bad um but towards the end where it gets kind of pressured and and stuff like that. Then, uh, I found an after-school program that helped with executive functioning and basically educated them on all of that. So I, I had to pay for that, unfortunately, okay. but
0: some like outside support to help him get the yeah. work done.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I just was like, I can't do this anymore. I was working. It was just like, I need more of a professional. I'm not a professional. I don't really know. Yeah.
0: And I think at that age, too, it just helps to have a different
1: person
0: talking to them about getting the homework done. Absolutely. Versus mom. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. So, what was number eight?
1: Uh, So, it was very hard to tell normal behavior versus excessive defensive behavior and just being argumentative. And so that probably should have clued me in, but he was doing drama and speech and debate and he's just fascinating in the way that he thought. Um, And so it was, it was just like, Oh no, that's normal behavior. That's teenagers, that's boys, that's people doing that kind of thing, speech and debate. And so it was really hard to separate that out and, you know, really hard to tell how much to this day, even it was some just rejection of what he didn't want to do and
0: what so he would wanna. argue his way out of things.
1: Yeah. I mean, just, just like, I, I don't, I don't want to argue with you. Just <laughs> go find someone else.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so that's the way kind of, well, when was that exciting to him or like,
1: Yeah, I think like a dopamine.
0: Yeah, to debate. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, trying it out on the parents because, of course, they come home and they just dump on you. They release all that stress and tension and then then they practice on you. And
0: yeah, interesting. Okay. He should be an attorney. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people say that. Did he do well in speech and debate in high school? Yeah. 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 That's a good outlet for that. That's great. Okay, where are we at? Number seven.
1: Yeah, so seven is um there's just things you're not gonna know for a while about how their brain works because if you can imagine, they're only there in their own self. They don't have any way to compare it to anything else. Um, and so you can't you can't even ask the right question to know, um, because they're not intelligent enough to compare themselves to kids in their class so I for the longest time didn't know that he didn't understand or have a sense of time passing um so he had great stamina and being able to sit and read books like from beginning to end or um just sit in front of the homework and whether it was getting done or not not always um so uh that kind of the therapists really helped bring that out because I think that they had more of a clue, like these were things that they should be looking for. I just didn't know. And yeah. so, you know, of course it would have been very helpful. I don't know if I could have asked a question and said, how is it that you sense time passing, but it sort of had to be explained to them by someone that's an authority. And then they're like, oh, this is clearly what's happening to me. And then did he put
0: structure around that once he understood that
1: um i don't know if it was like productive structure at the beginning yeah.
0: um and he was older when he got that kind of insight right yeah
1: yeah, yeah. I, I i think that um it's a slow process like it takes months so then they just tackle one thing at a time um you know how to Turn out the lights at midnight. Um, uh, You know, how much time does it really take to drive somewhere? Um, You know, if you're on Reddit, um, how long are you on Reddit? Like, time yourself. So it was just this kind of um, research that was being done and aha moments of, hey, you know, I'm here and it's an hour and a half later and it feels like two minutes.
0: Right. So bringing so, some awareness on where he spent his time. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. How old was he when he did that? That kind of insightful work?
1: Um, I think that was more towards the end of high school and then after high school. Um, yeah. When he realized like he couldn't manage his time. Why was that? Yeah. He got curious about it. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: All right. Let's go into what was, no- what's your number six piece of wisdom?
1: So my number six is for the parents to really notice and keep track of behaviors. It um, <laughs> started doing this. And I was like this again, before I knew what was going on, and I was like, Oh my gosh, I don't know if I should keep this list. Cause it was very long. Forgot sweatshirt at school. Didn't even know which sweatshirt they were, you know, what color was it? I, and I, like uh, all these kinds of things that were happening. Um, and so I started keeping track of it. And then when I finally went to talk to therapists and then he went to talk to therapists, cause you have to fill out all these forms, you know, then you're like, Oh, okay. I maybe need to put all this in there. Cause maybe it has something to do with it. You know, kids forget their sweatshirts, they forget their lunch or whatever, they lose stuff. But I just thought it was excessive. That was just yeah. a gut feel. Um, and yeah, so, so anything that you think is unusual, even if you ask the teachers about it and they're like, oh no, that's normal. If you have that gut feel, like, huh, I wonder if I should just keep track of this and like in the back of the book somewhere on a list, you know, and you don't need to show it to anyone.
0: Yeah. Um, that's smart because patterns. part of it is like chronic patterns, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's good advice. Okay. What is number five? Um, number five is just to not give up. Um, this one is kind of the hardest one um, because there's this messaging of let your child go. You need to help them with this, let them go you need to help them with this. And so you're trying to find that fine line of, well, this is my child. I know them the best. Um, what can I do to help? And so it's this constant like release and bring them back in. And, you know, you're, you're worried about their safety and their mental health. Um, and so, I would just say, you know, take a breather, do whatever helps, meditate, yoga, walks, running, I don't know, eating ice cream. <laughs> um uh and and you know, it helps to talk to people who you think are safe and you know might be able to have some insight. But um I think you know, twenty ten, twenty years from now we'll have even more insight. And so you you just don't want to give up um, because a lot of therapists have always said to me, it's so nice that, you know, you're supporting them and you are like, Oh, okay. Well, that's good to hear. Cause you don't always feel like you are.
0: Right. Right. It's good. Helen. I'm glad you're doing. It. Cause I do think, <laughs> right. Don't give yeah. up. and Don't feel like you're alone. It's number yeah. one, you get so frustrated
1: by everything. Okay. Number four. Okay, so this one is, if one therapist does not work for your child, try another. Um, it's painful. They don't, sometimes they're just tired of talking to different people. Um, but you'll kind of know when they click and kind to try to, you know, give it some time, kind of um, for A to that, or B, whatever you want to call it. Um, as a parent, you don't necessarily need to click with that therapist. Um, you just want your, your child to do that. Um, and, and, you know, maybe it's not just one therapist. Um, if you have a pretty social child, which they tend to be because they, they compensate by being social, um, there's groups of their own age group or peer group, or, you know, that's super helpful for them, um. And that's done by some therapists have groups, some hospitals will have, um, groups. So look, look for that. Um, I think it's really, they, sometimes they just can't talk to you because you don't know how to engage that conversation. It freaks parents out, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, what's going on.
0: So how long do you go with a therapist before you decide to make a switch if, if your child needs to?
1: I think it's a conversation um with your child. and also, you know, if they're under eighteen, um the therapist, you know, if the child gives permission, which they generally do, the parent talks to the therapist. And so you can be pretty clear, like, you know, with the therapist, do you think this is working, or do you have stuff you can still work on? Um, I think therapists are super busy, so they're not going to want to just constantly talk to someone and not not get anywhere um so i think that that's you know and 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 certain therapists because it's not an exact science are better at some parts of helping the kids than others um you know some are better at just making them feel good some are better at time management some are better at getting helping them get a job um some are better at helping them explain what they're we're going through and point pointing out behaviors and stuff like that so you know great. If you find one that has it all, but I haven't had that. Um, and they also tend to focus on certain age groups or different kinds of things that they're good at the therapists. I mean, so yeah, I think you really have to have conversations, not too many, you know, every couple months, but yeah. And find your groove.
0: Okay. Let's go to number three piece of advice.
1: Okay. Um, it's really hard to tell what's normal preteen or teenage boy and not in my case behavior and what is ADHD. Um, as I mentioned, you know, we didn't know until 21 is 21. Nobody could tell. Like I would ask questions. Um, you know, he would get bored easily, be exhausted, um, by certain events, argue about things, be defensive. Um, but I think in the, classroom and with the teachers and with kids and parents you know he he was fine and and you know I didn't have the vocabulary or the knowledge to explain this to a pediatrician or anyone or a teacher so um i was like oh well what do i know i've only been never been a parent <laughs> right okay so what made you
0: Decide to have him diagnosed when he was 21.
1: Well, it was interesting how it happened because he was taking some college classes. He had a therapist down where he was in college. And the therapist, again, my son gave me permission to talk to him occasionally, like every three months or something. And I and he, he had started this discussion with my son and my son, it took him like seven months to kind of, he's, he didn't really agree, um, but finally, I think he did. And so then we had him tested. And unfortunately, you know, the tests oh, okay. only go to 18 or whatever. So, but I had already had him tested in high school, like a breath to see if there was any learning disability. Um, So I had that test. So it came about in a roundabout way, but um, I think they were trying to convince my child, like, you should really have this looked at. Are you ready for this?
0: Okay. So the therapist saw flags, if you will.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this wasn't the
0: first. Yeah. But he, it's the therapist who kind of put it all together and said, let's just yeah. see what happens. Okay. Yeah. And did your son appreciate that diagnosis?
1: I think he did. I think he did. And then there was like a podcast from attitude magazine where there was a doctor who clearly described it. And I had him listen to that. And he's like, oh yeah, that's me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. Really? I had all my family members listen to it you know, those that were willing, like, okay, this is what we think we're, we have. Yeah. Good for you.
0: Okay. Number two.
1: Okay. Number two is high IQ and inattentive ADHD are very hard to detect because those students do fine in school grade wise, and they're not hyper. And so there's really no visible sign um, and you know, plenty of kids, it doesn't really affect them. I think they're, they highly, they have high concentration, which is one of the misnomers of attention deficit. Cause it's not really a deficit, it's an attention thing, right. but, um, inattentive tend to be highly concentrated. And so, um. You know, it'd be hard for him to leave a play date, like separating from a uh, uh, an event or um, be talkative in class or, um, you know, for some reason, he hung out with other kids that were older than him. And so um, none of this was really, you know, like you don't know. Um, so uh, it's, it's really hard to detect. So, I mean, I think, I think I read somewhere like the average age is 31 year old. Um, so if you, if you have any inkling, I would say, see if you can at least, you know, maybe you don't need the diagnostic diagnosis, but you can start reading materials and how to handle whatever it is, the challenges, um, but those that's kind of really hard because they know how to compensate very well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They call it masking. Well, some do, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. it's that high IQ. If you're able to do school at us to a certain point, right? I guess. And then it catches up eventually.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, Helen, let's go to your number one. <laughs> key piece Number of wisdom.
1: One. All right. So if I would tell parents and, you know, adults, uh, yeah. listening and their kids is pediatricians and teachers, even though they may work with kids and they have studied kids and they're trained possibly in kids psychology, they are not trained to recognize ADHD in general. Um, nor do they know how to handle kids with ADHD. And they're, they're trained to work with the average child. And, um, I mean, I tell this to everybody, it's like, I, I just did not have a idea that it's like, I felt like it all kind of fit together. Right. Like you study kids.
0: Right. There's what did 10% of kids have ADHD? Surely they've been taught. Yeah. That they're going to have some of those kids. Right.
1: Yeah. And they, and, and teachers have so much to do and they're trying to keep the classroom going, whatever, all those things. Pediatricians, you know, unless you explain it to them, they're not going to know in a 10, 15 minute conversation with the kid. Yeah. The kids don't want to have anything that is unusual about them. Um, So, you know, and, and, and pediatricians are dealing with the physical rashes and colds and broken bones. And, um, so, so just, I would say, yes, you can talk to them. Um, but, uh, definitely if you have any time, find someone else to help you
0: to kind of go be- out. beyond those two points.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Would you recommend, um, well maybe your pediatrician could recommend you a per- a parent a concerned yeah. parent to a different person with that kind of, a different expert i guess a doctor with that kind of
1: expertise yeah yeah um definitely i mean you know parents are only as knowledgeable as their own situation yeah. um, but they also tend to be like yeah you really it's worth it to have this looked at um sometimes even family members will say things like you know why why is your kid doing that <laughs> it's really hard to hear that from family um if they don't know but um you know hopefully they have your best interest in mind right um but yeah i i think any really any adult that or anyone that does deals with kids. Um, and I, and I fully believe. So that So what did
0: you, so what do you do when your family says something?
1: So how um, do you
0: handle that emotionally?
1: You no, know, it's, it's hard emotionally. I do acknowledge it. Uh, then I tend to go back and think about it and, and do some research. Um, uh you know, bring it up with the teachers. Do you think this is going on? You bring it up with the pediatrician. Do you think this is going on? I mean, it is, it is, it's because it feels like you're screwing up as a parent. You're not raising your child correctly. Ultimately you're doing a bad job. That's what it feels like. Right. Right. And you're, and they, they aren't any helpful and you're not any helpful. (laughs) So, you
0: have so, to kind of get more, you know, be a detective.
1: Mm-hmm. Process it
0: and know it's not. I mean, we've both learned this, right, over time. So, don't yeah. internalize it, personalize it. Yeah. But process it and then become a detective on that information to figure out yeah. how to help your child.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would, like I mentioned, I would have them listen to one podcast. You know, I didn't want to overwhelm them or print out an article and, and send it. Your anywhere. family
0: or your child?
1: Your My family. family. So oh, to help like, them.
0: that's great. help. That's yeah. how you would help advocate and educate your family. Cause I yeah. know you're really close with your family. Yeah. Right. Definitely. So you would do, so the way you get them on board is just send little educational pieces.
1: Yeah. Yeah. To improve I mean, their
0: it, understanding. Okay. That's great. Yeah.
1: And I would really pick the ones that were just like fully a hundred percent, almost, you know, as close as you could get to something that's valuable, um, once or twice a year, you know, don't inundate them. That's like, that's what worked for me, but, um, they kind of have to, just like everyone else, they kind of have to digest it and then you know, call and see if they've read it. They have any questions. And then if they have questions, sometimes you're like, oh, I thought of that. Let me go and figure that out. Yeah. Oh, great advice.
0: That's a one number one point B.
1: That's a bonus.
0: (laughs) That's the bonus. It is. That's huge advice. Yeah. Okay. So as we wrap up, Helen, do you have any other advice or words of wisdom as we close out? (laughs)
1: Oh, I don't know. I mean, hang in there. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I feel, I feel for all the parents out there, you're not alone. Um, The school system is, if you're in the public school system, even if you're in the private school system, you know, they are just trying to do the best they can. Um, And I think it just word needs to get out. I really try to talk about it with people. So that it doesn't have stigma. I feel like it really we need to get to a point where it doesn't have stigma. People just don't understand. And until it, it until it becomes like the the nutritional triangle that we all know, right? Or whatever it is today. Like it's just common knowledge. Um, and then they just track everybody on whatever spectrum from the beginning to the end or one end to the other. Um, which I believe that they will eventually do with all people. They'll be like, this is this is how the human brains are and this is where you are and then it's you know, then it's it'll just you know. normal. Yeah, right. it's
0: just normalized. It doesn't have right. to be this like, um, which I think it is the way it was. And then we've our societies evolved into this place where it isn't normal. But it is normal. And we need to kind of bring it back to a normal place. Yeah. And not have it be so uh, stigmatized.
1: Right? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I agree.
0: Well, thank you for your time, Helen. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me. It's great.
0: Yeah, you're welcome.